Welcome to Revitalizing the Declining Church with Dr. Desmond Barrett, brought to you by the Eastern Kentucky District Center for Church Revitalization, a center that envisions to partner with churches and her leaders to strategize, strengthen, and discern the spirit of God's will for the local church. Welcome to episode 42 of Revitalizing the Declining Church. I'm your host, Dr. Desmond Barrett. On today's episode, we're going to continue our conversation that we started on episode 41, 12 Ways to Know If You Are Called into Church Revitalization. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, let me encourage you to pause, listen to episode 41, and then come back into this conversation as we talk about 12 Ways to Know If You Are in Church Revitalization. Last week, we talked about the 12 key takeaways, number one through six, and this week we'll pick up at number seven, to know if a person or a leader in the local church feels called into church revitalization. Number seven, be willing to partner with others outside of the church. As a revitalization leader, you will learn quickly that you cannot do it alone. The church cannot do it alone. Therefore, the members and the pastor have to be working in perfect harmony if this is going to work. If the church is going to move forward, its members must get outside her four walls to connect with the community around her. The easiest way to gain traction with limited resources is to partner through volunteerism with a nonprofit agency in the community. Many nonprofit organizations lost volunteers and donations during the pandemic and I imagine they would be glad to receive your church's help. I want to encourage you also to find other pastors, even outside your own denomination if you're a pastor, or other members if you are just a member in the local church, by being intentional and having a meal together or sharing coffee. You will be surprised at how these monthly outings can rejuvenate your soul and show you are not alone in ministry. Ministry is not easy, and when you're in a revitalization effort, you need all the encouragement that you can receive. Number eight, be willing to find new ways of doing ministry. Your local church may be holding on to past programs, but if they're not effective for winning the loss today or growing stronger Christians, then they must be retired. I know for some of you hearing that, that's going to cause agita inside of you. But let me encourage you. Christ has something for you in this new season. Celebrate the past and move forward into what God has for you. Most seminaries and Bible colleges do not offer courses on reviving declining churches. But the business world has many real-world examples of leading a turnaround. The skill sets that can be gleaned from the business world are developing a plan, being creative, implementing the project with enthusiasm, and adapting when change is not working. I know for some of you there, I've lost you because you say, Desmond, the church is not a business. Well, friends, let me let you in on a little secret. You're in the spiritual business, and I think it's more important than winning an extra dollar in the real business world. And so why don't you use the skill sets that are around you? The business world has taught us that when you're trying to revive, when you're trying to rejuvenate a brand, you have to have a plan. So what's your plan? You need to have a plan. Let me encourage you to begin having those conversations with your church board and those influencers inside your church, those that are not elected, but also begin to listen to the community around you. Then I want to encourage you to be creative. Think outside the box. Maybe you've always done it one way and God is saying to do it another way. 
But unless you're willing to think creatively outside the box, you're going to miss where God is. Number three, implement the project with enthusiasm. Every week I come onto this podcast and I try to be enthusiastic. If you met me for coffee or dinner or even watched me as I preached or listened to me preach, you would see I'm an enthusiastic person. Why? Because I don't believe God wants you to be an Eeyore. He wants you to be a Tigger. He wants you to be excited about the Word of God. He wants you to be excited even in the midst of a turnaround. And so you have to implement the project with enthusiasm. If you're not excited, your people are not going to be excited about your turnaround. And then the last thing is that you have to adapt when change is not working. That means you got to be willing to change. You got to be willing to say, hey, it's not working and to adapt. If you're not willing to do that, you're going to continue to get the same results. And it's going to be results that will eventually close your doors. God doesn't want you to close down your doors, but he does want you to be excited about what's happening inside of your church. And he's wanting you to adapt. What worked in 1980 may not work today. What worked two years ago before the pandemic may not work today. Be adaptive. Sometimes new ways of doing ministry may be the same program, but a different delivery point or style. Know your local context and develop a way forward that is God-centered and God-anointed with your people. Number nine of the 12 key takeaways, be willing to find and share the story of Jesus in the community. Everyone has a story to share. Even the negative voices inside the church are sharing a story of pain and loss for the revitalization effort. Be willing to highlight stories that show the redemptive power of Jesus Christ as life change in a person's life. The stories of redemption will become stories of restoration for a church desperate for a win. As you go about your daily routines, look for accounts that you can incorporate into your sermons or personal conversations with church members. For far too long, the story of your local church has been death. Begin to speak life back into your local fellowship by telling stories of life change. You have a great opportunity as a pastor or even a leader in the local church to begin to tell the story of how God is redeeming what was broken, what was lost into something positive. So tell your story. Tell the story of how God is beginning to redeem the lost and create hope. Tell the story of how your life was radically changed. Tell the story of how someone else's life was radically changed through your local church. We have to have a paradigm shift, and it starts by you telling your story. Number 10, be willing to stay put when things get hard inside the church. If you want an easy assignment, a dying church that requires revitalization is not what you need to apply for. But if you want a church where you can see the hand of God move, Be creative with space and programming, love the history of older places, and have patience that the church revitalization might be your calling. The work you will do inside the local church will be challenging but spiritually rewarding if you are willing to surrender your will for God's will and not give in when it gets tricky. Remember this, the church did not decline overnight and will not rebound quickly, but you will become the majority that can lead the church's turnaround with God and key leaders who share God's vision inside of the church if you stay put. I understand. Church revitalization is hard. I coach it. 
I mentor it, I evaluate it, and I'm experiencing it in my own 80-year-old church. And while you may look at uh, our YouTube page and our Facebook page and you can see positive things happening, behind the scenes, even me, the church revitalizer gets tired. And just a few weeks ago, I had a tough conversation with my own district superintendent and said, maybe it's time for me to go on. And he asked me to step back and to evaluate the church, pluses and minuses, even my strengths and weaknesses, as if I was helping a local pastor at a local church. And after that 40-minute conversation with him, I knew I must stick it out. I was just having a bad day, maybe a bad week, maybe a bad couple weeks. We've all been there. Maybe you're going through a tough situation today. Let me encourage you to realize that you're doing better than you are. That God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for the programs and problems and position that you're in today. God is shaping you. God is encouraging you. And God will lead you out. But you have to be willing to stay put when things get hard inside the church. Number 11. Be willing to find rest in your personal life outside of the church. The work you will enter will be mentally and spiritually exhausting. It will deplete your soul if you do not find ways to rest. I cannot challenge you enough to find dedicated times of rest throughout the week and to have a planned getaways not connected to the church. I've seen ministers fall and personal failures overtake their positive work that they are trying to accomplish because they got tired and their judgment becomes suspect. Resting from the work of ministry will enable you to rejuvenate and reevaluate the current needs of the church, positive or negative. It will also provide you needed clarification for your own spiritual life and will give you a new perspective on your own mental state as you move forward. An exhaustive state instead of a fresh mindset is groundwork for spiritual failure, and I want to encourage you to stay fresh and find times of rest. Just last month, in the month of May of 2022, I went off to Alaska to get away, and I went off grid. And I did that because I was tired. I was mentally tired. And we all have our own times of weakness where you're trudging every day trying to rebuild, every day trying to change, every day receiving pushback. It happens to all of us. You're not alone. But what I have found is that when I get tired mentally, spiritually, physically, I need rest. And I want to encourage you to find times of rest. Maybe it's exercising. Maybe it's going out into the wilderness. Maybe it's just getting away and reading a good book or just sitting in silence at a park. Whatever it is, to stay fresh, to stay focused, and to stay on the calling that God has for you, this path, then you need to find rest. Number 12 of the 12 ways to know if you are called into church revitalization. Be willing to stay positive in all situations. You will be your most prominent advocate or adversary. While you will not be able to control those around you, you can control how you react to every situation that comes your way. Every day you will be faced with joy stealers, but only you can give away your joy from your spirit. Be a joy keeper by finding joy in the daily routines of ministry. God has called you to your current ministry assignment and only God can release you.
I want to encourage you to stay prayed up, listen to the call from God, and to keep moving forward until he tells you to stop. Because the best days of your ministry are ahead of you if you're willing to find joy in the small and big things while serving in ministry. I have found that inside the local church, there are joy stealers. There are those that take away your joy. They're the ones who complain. They're the ones who question. They are the ones who are constantly trying to stop all the revitalization efforts. Only you can allow them to steal your joy. And so what you have to be is a joy keeper. That's someone who finds joy in these daily routines, sometimes even the mundane routines. Only you can find that joy inside of you, not your spouse, not your children, not your church members, not even the community. Only you can find it. How do you find it? You got to be someone who's praying. You got to be someone who's reading the word of God. You have to be listening to God, and then you got to find rest, and then you have to understand the plan. What does God want you to do today? Sometimes it is focusing on the minute that you're in instead of tomorrow or next month or next year. Focus on today. And when you do that, you're going to find joy in your daily walk, and that will enable you to stay positive in all situations. Friends, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 41 and then listen to this episode again and see the 12 ways to know if you are called into church revitalization. God is calling a new group of leaders to go into dying and unhealthy churches and help them thrive again. Do you hear the call? Are you willing to do your part in reshaping the narrative in the declining established church? If so, you are desperately needed by God. You are desperately needed by the Big C Church Universal. You are desperately needed by those individuals that are already experiencing death inside their local church. One of the great resources that I can offer you today is Addition Through Subtraction, Revitalizing the Established Church. You can find it on Amazon. I wrote this book in the past year to help you and to help dying churches revitalize. You can also pick up my book, my second book, or my first book, Revitalizing the Declining Church from Death's Door to Community Growth, that can also be found on Amazon. These are two amazing resources that can help coach you and help coach your people through a revitalization effort. Thank you for joining me today on Revitalizing the Declining Church. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with your colleague? How about on social media? Why don't you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss it the next time it comes out. From the Eastern Kentucky District Center for Church Revitalization, this has been Dr. Desmond Barrett reminding you to stay prayed up and keep pressing forward. God is on your side. Hi, friends. Welcome to episode 43 of Revitalizing the Declining Church. I'm your host, Dr. Desmond Barrett. On today's show, I want to talk to you about leading with a team and not you out front. Revitalizing a church is one of the most challenging grounds a leader tries to cultivate. Serving alone with a superhuman mindset instead of a spirit-led mindset can lead to personal and ministerial destruction. Every year, a couple of high-profile ministers fall from grace because they have not developed a team that holds them accountable for their daily actions. While the high-profile leaders gain the headlines, this situation is played out in countless communities like yours all across denominations, all across sectors of church size. Serving in ministry is challenging, but operating with an alone mindset can be spiritually deadly. 
The Christian church has learned that when leaders lead out front with no accountability, they become spiritual targets of the evil one. So I want us on today's episode to think about how can the local church reverse the downward spile of lead pastors who fall into temptation? We all have sin issues. We all struggle with it. There is something that the devil can get a hold of us. Some, it's sexual sin. For some, it's eating disorders. For some, it's exercising. Some, it's workaholic. Whatever it is, the devil knows our weak spots. We as leaders have to lead with a team, a team that holds us accountable, or we're going to fall. So let's dive into three points today on leading with a team and not you out front. The first one is accountability for short and long-term actions. As a leader, your ministry results are seen not only on Sunday mornings, but behind the scenes as they play out during the week. God has called you into meaningful work, work that the evil one wants to stop or even destroy so God's people, you and the people that you lead, do not win that ground that the devil has already conquered. I want you to stop for a moment and think about who is around you as a leader. Who you place around you during a leadership season is important as who is not around you. Far too many leaders want yes people around them rather than having someone who supports their leadership but is willing to question steps when they disagree. Without proper accountability and the ability to have others speak into you, speak into you, into your ministry, and into your life, you are harming the witness of Christ and jeopardizing your ministry and the local church's future. Accountability should not be a bad word, but a word that speaks to dialogue, robust, back and forth, and a prayerful understanding that God needs to be glorified and not you as the leader. When you permit a handful of godly lay people or even pastors to speak into your ministry, you enable the Spirit to work through them to help improve the church. And by default, it's going to help you and it's going to help your ministry. Instead of being uncomfortable, I want you to be comfortable with the rebuking that comes, with the tough conversations that comes. As you realize that it's not done, in a harmful way, but it is done in a way that helps you, helps your ministry, and helps your local church. The second point of leading with a team and not you out front is to have accurate feedback from someone you trust. Scripture teaches that everyone should have the opportunity to share their concerns or praise regarding ministry issues inside the local church. But not everyone should be permitted to speak about the ministerial journey of the church as it relates to your ministry, your spiritual leadership of that local church. The church has an established leadership structure. Regardless of denomination, regardless of the local church, you have a structure. It's not there for hierarchical purposes, but because it is biblical. It enables the pastor, it enables the lay leadership to prayerfully consider all avenues before they're brought forward to the church membership. Throughout scripture, godly leaders had a small group of advisors who had permission to speak truth into their leader's life. That truth was done out of love and not out of harm. They were done in private and it was done in a respectful tone. However, let's just be honest, in today's world, too many people feel they have the right to speak about all subjects in any manner they wish. I want to say it's through the advent of social media, people have been permitted, and maybe they've even permitted themselves to comment on everyone and every subject under the sun as self-described experts, which is not biblical, and it's worldly harmful. When a leader puts people 
into a leadership that they trust. It provides an extra level of openness to receive what that other person has to say to you as a leader. A strong biblical leader understands that feedback from all areas of their lives is essential, but but sifting through it becomes the key to attaining the proper level of feedback about a situation. The third point is acute awareness of your strengths and weaknesses. I want you to pause. Do you know your strengths as a leader? Do you know your weaknesses as a leader? Leaders fall not because they woke up one morning and said, hey, let's sin today, but because they fail to put safeguards, to put guardrails around their weaknesses. Uh, think about it this way. If you love chocolate like I do, it's not the one piece of chocolate that will harm your health or my heart and my health. So chocolate, once in a while, it's okay. But having chocolate by the handfuls multiple times a day will affect your health. One handful of chocolate, one handful of sin can destroy your ministry when you equate that sin and ministry. When you know your weakness and the areas of giftedness, you can provide safeguards for yourself. That's why you need trusted leaders. I want you to think about it this way. A leader is only as effective as those around them. As a leader, you must understand that you cannot know everything about every single subject. You got to be um, a generalist in a lot of areas. Still, you can permit a small circle of people who are experts in a certain area of your weaknesses and can pinpoint problematic issues before they become a problem areas by speaking truth into your spirit. Leading with the team and not you is hard for leaders. I get it. We all have a lot of A-type personalities. That means we want to lead and we want to go. But we have to understand that we cannot do this alone. Christ couldn't do it alone. He had a group of guys that he believed in, that he discipled, that he mentored, that he encouraged. And then he had a smaller group of individuals that could speak truth into his life. What about you? Who is speaking truth into your life? Who have you given permission to, to speak into your life? Leading alone can cost you and your relationship with Jesus. Turning around an established church is hard enough, but doing it alone or with limited support can destroy what God is trying to do through your ministry. Do not be ashamed, friend. Do not be ashamed to admit your weaknesses and be comfortable about asking for help. As you understand who you are, you can build a team of trust around your ministry. And God, God will begin to offer more opportunities for effective ministry because you're ready to go to the next level because you put in safeguards. But don't be surprised. If you are not tested and targeted by the spirits and people who want to stop the calling of God in your life, you got to safeguard your ministry today by praying for God's direction and wisdom and who to ask to partner with you in revitalizing the local church. I just believe today God wants more from you. God wants more from your, from your ministry, and he wants you to do more for that local church and in the future to come. But you got to be somebody who trusts other people. I know living in a fishbowl of pastoring is tough. I get it. I'm there. But we have to trust certain people. And when they break your trust, you learn from that and you bring in new people. 
in every season of your ministry, God has the right people or the right person for you to listen to and to find ways to be open and vulnerable with them. Leading with the team and not you out front is all about accountability for short and long-term actions, accurate feedback from someone you trust, and acute awareness of your strengths and weaknesses. God wants to do something amazing in your life, but will you trust him and will you allow other people to speak into your ministry?